0: Losing Weight to Gain Control Today's episode, Heal Your Hunger with Tricia Nelson. Welcome to today's episode of the Losing Weight to Gain Control podcast. This is Gwen Alexander, your host. And today we have a special guest with us. Our guest is Trisha Nelson. And Trisha is an internationally acclaimed author, transformational speaker, and emotional eating expert. She lost 50 pounds by identifying and healing the underlying causes of her emotional eating. She has spent over 30 years researching the hidden causes of the addictive personality. Tricia is the author of the number one best selling book, Heal Your Hunger Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. Tricia is also the host of the popular podcast, The Heal Your Hunger Show. And so, Tricia, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast today. How are you doing?
1: Thank you. I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here, Gwen. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes. Yeah, so uh, whenever someone's on, usually, of course, the first thing that we start with is their story. You know, every, We all seem to have a story of that time when we decided I want to do something different and take better care of myself. So what's your story in that area?
1: Absolutely. You know, I grew up um as a girl who had weight to lose. Um I mean I I gained weight. I called myself a fat girl. <laughs> so it doesn't sound great, but that's what I was. And um and I did. I, I gained weight by age twenty one, I was fifty pounds overweight. And so food was um a problem. Weight was a problem. I mean, food wasn't a problem. I love to eat. <laughs> so it was the Right? It was the weight that I didn't like, so, um, I gained weight really easily at a slow metabolism, and I overate. And so I, you know, and I loved all the ooey gooey chewy foods. Those are the ones I wanted to eat, not the salads and the celery sticks. so um, so food was a big highlight for me. I love to cook. I love to serve food to other people. I love to you know, go out to eat. So everything having to do with food, I was really excited about. and I paid a price, you know, I was overweight. I hated being overweight. I hated the big roll on my tummy that I would scrunch up in my hands and wish I could cut off, you know. I I just um I thought about, you know, maybe I'll join the armies because they'll force me to exercise at boot camp, you know, because I hated exercise. So so I thought these crazy things like maybe I'll get sick and have some disease where I'd automatically lose weight. So you know, I was pretty out there because I had no control over my weight. I mean, that's the bottom line is any diet I went on, I always gained the weight back and then some. And I had about 5 different sizes of pants in my closet cuz I was always like up 30, down 5, you know, up 10, down 20, up 40, and I was really a yo-yo dieter as they call us. And so, um I was really all over the map. And I can look at any picture Gwen you know, from my past. And I know exactly what my thoughts were about my weight at the time. Like I know exactly where I was, not, not the poundage, but how I felt, you know, and I typically just felt bad all the time. And, and, and like, I didn't like my body. I didn't like my size. I felt less than, so there was a lot of baggage there for me. And after trying many things, like I, uh, you know, of course, as everybody does, I did diets and weight loss programs and, and all kinds of machinations, pills and potions and lotions and 12 step programs and therapy, I even went to an eating disorders therapist. So I was really doing a lot of things and nothing I tried work for any length of time. Of course, I could lose weight, but I'd always put it back on. So um, I felt very desperate. And what happened for me is that I met somebody who showed me that my problem wasn't food or weight, that it really went deeper than that, and that I had to deal with the underlying causes if I were to really lose weight and keep it off successfully. And so that man really changed my life because I start, he showed me and guided me on this sort of inward journey to heal the underlying causes and to deal with my stress and my self-esteem And doing that was really what, you know, changed everything for me. And from that point on, I was able to live in a thin body. And it's been that way for decades now. And I'm eternally grateful to that help and to all I learned. And so what I started to do is really research this problem. And, you know, all the, you know, reasons why I couldn't get it. And, and, and by, I'd say about, uh, I mean, I worked, I actually worked doing this I've, my whole adult life. I've done this work, but about 10 years ago, I founded heal your hunger. And, uh, more recently online heal your hunger, um, where I show women all around the globe, how they can really, uh, apply a very simple step-by-step process to end emotional eating. So that's what I, that's what I get to do every day and and coach women who are really sick of dieting and ready to to go deeper and really heal those underlying causes. So that's how I got started. That's how it all happened. And it's really been my life's work. And I'm so, so grateful.
0: Well, I think the listeners can resonate with that because that's kind of my message too, is it's not just about the food. I call it the invisible weight. It's the stuff that you don't see. That usually yeah. affects you, and it, but it with us with people that are addicted to food or use food to deal with your emotions. Just everybody can see it when uh, you know you eat too much. Like you said, uh, I it made me think of something when you said that um, you know grabbing your tummy rolls. I remember when I this time when I finally said you know I'm going to lose the weight in a healthy way. I was walking one day and I realized my hands weren't hitting my hips because my hips were kind of wide. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. Oh, wait, that's weird that I'm standing in the middle of the road thinking, oh, wow, it's great. I've you know, slimmed down so much that my hips are smaller now. But it's yeah. you know, it's one of those things that it was like that moment of, wow, I've really done it. And also, when you talked about that this is going to be it, I call it the maintenance mindset. Because, you know, you sound like you've been through the yo-yo thing, too. And I thought, I can't do this anymore. But I just don't think my body or my mind could take, you know, go do, uh, gain gaining and then lose it. And when I grew up, the uh, low-fat thing was huge in the 80s. That's when I was... Right. Uh, even in <laughs> the 90s, too. I think. So everything was low-fat. But nobody talked about the sugar that was in the food, you know, when they replaced the fat. So it's... Yeah. Now I can kind of... I Some of us kind of laugh about that, but we've We've come a long way now with the information that we have, uh, so I'm so glad of the work that you're doing with helping others to deal with that. Uh, one of the Thank things you. that I wanted to ask you about was uh like I said, it seems like emotional eating is is you're you're an expert at that, and I've found that that's a whole lot of with uh, some of us that struggle with our weight uh What's the difference between an emotional eater and a food addict? Because I kind of thought they were one um, in the same.
1: Yeah, they, they can be one in the same. Like I am a food addict and an emotional eater. So I feel like. Um, I mean the best way to describe it is it's a spectrum. And so my experience is we're all emotional eaters fundamentally, because I think God made us to have some kind of emotional connection to food, right? Like otherwise, we just would blow it off. We'd blow eating off altogether. Yeah. And so I think we all have some kind of connection. It feels comforting, it feels good. Grandma's cookies, whatever. Um, but, you know, not everybody takes it to the point of like it killing them. So um, that's more on the food addiction side of it, where, um, you know, you eat to excess and you eat to where you feel sick and then you have a lot of negative consequences. And I think that's how you really determine um, that spectrum and ha- where you are, are in that spectrum. And I actually have a quiz. Um, where somebody can actually take the quiz um, on my website and see where they are. They get a personalized score of where they are on that spectrum. And it really has to do with the level of control that they have and the level level of consequences. So in the low end of the spectrum, you know, somebody goes on a cruise and they gain five pounds because they ate, you know, all that buffet food. And then they come back and they get like right back on their healthy eating plan and they jog an extra five miles that week. You know, and they boom, like the five pounds is off. That's on the low end, okay, because they have a lot of control; they can course correct, mm-hmm. um, and then and very few consequences. But on the high end, and you, and you go up that that scale, if you will, um, uh, on that that graph of um, of the spectrum. Um, you know, you have less control and more consequences until you have very little control and a whole lot of consequences. And, you know, consequences can be physical, like, you know, diabetes and a heart condition and joint pain or surgeries and all that kind of thing. But it's also emotional. You know, you go into this dark place where you hate yourself and you're depressed and you don't want to anybody to know you or see you or, you know, you don't want to be touched. You don't want to have sex. I mean, it's like, so a whole lot of consequences that don't necessarily meet the eye, um, you know, that have to do with, with food addiction. And that's really where I lived. I mean, I ate massive amounts of food. I would just lose control. And to the point where I just was a binger and I knew, you know, if I was going to start, I was going to go all the way. So I just go ahead and buy a whole bag of chips and two pints of ice cream and a whole bag of Hershey's kisses and I just I just sit on the couch and go to town, you know. And so I could I could consume 4000 calories in the sitting. It was so healthy, you know, but they're empty calories, you know they're 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 it's junk. It's all junk and processed food. So I was always amazed how a salad could fill me up, you know, when i was when I was on my clean eating, you know plan, how a salad could actually be filling, a salad with chicken could be filling. And, you know, Doritos and ice cream could make me still feel hungry for more. So, um, so that's, that's really, to me, that's the difference is how much control a person has, and the the level to which, you know, they can't control it. And also the the number of consequences that are starting to really um, accumulate on account of their eating behavior and the weight gain.
0: Did you ever log your food with an app or anything to know that, oh, wow, I just ate a whole bag of. Doritos because I think sometimes when we don't have something that shows us it's almost like it didn't happen (laughs) even though your body knows it happened. yeah
1: so much so yeah I used to think if you if I ate crap like I buy crap at an airport and if I ate it on the plane in the air it didn't count
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I wish that's what it happened you know the way it worked but it doesn't
1: you're right no so I um I wasn't big on recording sometimes when I was trying to get control, I would list out everything I had eaten and, you know, and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, I find that my clients do often have no idea how much they're eating until they start writing it down, you know, or really until they start trying to like eat three meals. I have something called three meal magic, which is eating three meals a day with nothing in between. And it's really the only diet. It's not a diet. It's really a way of helping them access their emotions in between their meals. Um, But just that those parameters around meals with no snacking will help them wake up to the fact that, oh my gosh, like I'm usually eating all day long, because all of a sudden they're not. And they're realizing, you know, in that moment, I would have been reaching for food in that moment, I would have been snacking in that moment, I would have had food next to me. So, um, you know, I think people are definitely waking up to it um, through that means. But personally, I didn't do a lot of tracking and that kind of thing. But I i do know it helps people for sure. I just was, I, I became pretty hyper aware of what I was eating, because it was so much in you know, in the form of a binge, and yeah. and I could I could look at my receipt from the store
0: because <laughs> you know that oh look I bought a bag of Hershey's Kisses I already I you know you ate them all so it wasn't a clue, yeah uh, question of how many did I eat I ate them all
1: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly
0: <laughs> what does uh, what does emotional hunger feel like as compared to physical hunger because like you you know you were talking about how you would eat a lot but I'm assuming you probably weren't physically hungry. And I don't even know if most of us know what physical hunger even feels like sometimes. I
1: didn't. That's for sure. You know, because I was snacking all the time and full, like it was very scary for me to feel physical hunger. You know, um, that's why I was constantly eating and nibbling and, you know, looking for something else to grab. And, And, and I find that to be true with my clients is that they are afraid of feeling hunger. And I always say, in order to heal your hunger, you do have to feel your hunger. And what happens when we do allow that space between meals? We start to have a little bit of hunger. Is you start to get clear about your emotions. You know, emotional eaters eat to anesthetize their emotions. And some people will say to me, you know, and they they have a weight problem, and they're pro, you know, they've been struggling chronically. They're probably an emotional eater, but they say, Oh no, I don't eat over my emotions. I, you know, I don't have an, you know, I'm not aware of my emotions. I'm like, well, that's cause it's working. <laughs> you know, like if you're, if you're eating over your emotions, you know, you don't feel any emotions and that's, you know, proof, you know, case in point that the food is covering up your emotions. So again, that's why, you know, having some space between meals and allowing some physical hunger to come up is going to help you access those emotions that are normally buried. And so um, I am always amazed at how much emotional hunger feels like or or seems like, I should say, physical hunger. Because I, to this day, I've been doing this work for over 30 years, Gwen, and to this day, I will sometimes, you know, be sitting at my desk at 10 o'clock in the morning and I'll be like, I'll, all of a sudden, like, I'm so so hungry to say that to myself like I'm so hungry and then I have to stop and I have this little conversation with myself and say really like you had breakfast you know two and a half hours ago yeah. are you really so hungry and then and that's where the three meals thing and the, and the boundaries around the meals helps because if I can recognize that I ate a really sufficient breakfast. Probably two and a half hours later, I'm not starving, you know, most likely. And then that's when I dig a little deeper. I'm like, okay, it's probably not physical hunger because you've fed yourself a good, you know, good nutritious meal for breakfast. So what is it? And that's when I do a little sleuthing work and start to see, oh there's a phone call I'm afraid to make, or, oh, you know, I don't want to do my taxes, you know, and I'm trying to avoid that. All of a sudden I'm getting hungry. And so that, you know, but it does in the moment, it seems like it's the exact same thing and it's really not, but I have to, I have to ask myself the question and kind of have a little talk with myself in order to do some digging.
0: Yeah. One trick I've, I've been trying with myself is, okay, if you want to eat right now, you have some watermelon in the refrigerator, you have some oranges. You know, what fruit do you want to choose from? And uh, sometimes it's like, well, I don't feel so hungry anymore. Or, you know, if I am <laughs> going to eat something, it's healthier because I do like watermelon. And right now it's very, it tastes really good. So, but, um, but yeah, but like you said, it's because I start thinking about something that I really don't want to do that, or it's going to be a big task that especially mentally I have to deal with. And I think it's just my brain yep. wants to get distracted or, you know, how do you do that? You just grab something. Which, But usually you yeah. grab the Doritos or, you know, Snickers right. bars were my downfall at one time. Uh, I don't even buy them anymore. But one of the things uh, that I wanted to also ask you about was, I think you talk about self-care. What does that have to do with weight loss? Some people feel guilty about doing what I consider self-care, you know, doing things that you like to do or getting a massage or something like that. They feel selfish, but don't. do you think that's actually beneficial? To help with weight loss? Uh, it's vital. I,
1: I wrote a book, seven simple steps and emotional eating now it's called heal your hunger, but it, the subtitle is seven simple steps and emotional eating now. And one of them is absolutely, you know, it's, it's, I call it getting centered, you know, and, um, and self care is vital to overcoming emotional eating because a lot of the eating that we do is on account of stress, You know, it's like we're using food as energy, as a boost to get us through, you know, um, our workload. And so, you know, we can't just eat less. Like, it's impossible to just eat less. That's why 98% of all diets fail. Because if we just, you know, reduce the amount of food that we eat, but we have no tools for dealing with the reasons why we ate in the first place, we're going to go right back to that, that tool of eating and, and food definitely serves that purpose so many times to kind of deal with that stress. So I teach something called the six self care success secrets. And this is, um, six different, uh, things that a person, um, that I do essentially, I do it and I teach it to other people, um, to really lessen my stress, but also get centered, you know, in the morning, because I find that, Um, we have a much better chance of saying no to, uh, foods that might tempt us if we've put money in our, in our bank account first thing in the morning in our spiritual bank account. So I start the day on my knees in prayer and I, um, and then I meditate for 20 minutes and then I do some spiritual reading and I also go for a walk. Um, and I say some prayers during my walk and I, Like these things are what I do first thing in the morning to get me centered, because if I don't do that, I'm just ricocheting off all the different stresses going on in my life. You know, if I'm just picking up the phone and starting to text and email and do do work, you know, uh, first thing in the morning without like putting money in my spiritual bank account later in the day when the stress of the day has piled up. You know, and that, and that very, very vulnerable time in the late afternoon kicks in where we're, we're just needing, we're needing some energy. Food's what I'm going to turn to. Chocolate's what I'm going to turn to. Whereas if I have put money in the bank early in the morning, I can make withdrawals from that account. And it makes it so much easier. I'm a lot more centered. I'm a lot more emotionally stable and grounded. Um, and I also do actually, um, a little meditation practice in the afternoon too, just to offset that stress. So, you know, I can't expect to just not eat because I've got to have tools for dealing, for dealing with the stress that I was eating over in the first place. So I find that to be the most important thing, but do, yeah, people feel selfish when they do self care. And it's so much of what I teach people is to like, you know, you got to do it. You have to care for yourself first. And that, that very, um, you know, overused analogy of putting your oxygen mask on first, you know, when you're on the airplane before you can put somebody else's on is the truth. I mean, it is just, we have to care for ourselves and it's not selfish. And I tell my clients, if you take care of yourself, other people around you are going to get the best version of you. So it's actually the best thing you can do for other people is to take care of yourself. So you're not stressed out, so you're not biting people's heads off, so you're not feeling gross about what you ate and you're not beating yourself up for being slothful or lazy or you know just just losing it again, you know, losing losing control again and everybody's getting a lighter version, like a a happier version of you and It's a win-win for everybody.
0: Yes, I agree totally. Um, What was it last week when everything started opening again because of the coronavirus? I called my masseuse and said, book me an appointment. I want your longest session, please. And uh, because usually that was one thing I would have never thought to do to treat myself. I thought that was just too selfish to do that. Or, you know, one of the things I talked about one of my episodes was when to buy a new wardrobe. And I'm one of those people that would never buy that nice thing for myself. It's like, oh, that's too frivolous. Now I don't care. <laughs> and it, But it makes yeah. me feel good. I'm not doing it just to do it. But it's it's one of those things where for a long time, I it was the way I said I didn't matter. It, of course, then you would go to eat, mm-hmm. like you said, because you don't see yourself as worthy of having something like that. Have you had in your Yeah, or- you know, let me... let me me, just
1: interrupt you. I booked a massage today. It's so funny you said that like just today I booked a massage because I got a notice that a a local therapist just opened up
0: her practice again. So did the same thing. Oh, yeah, I already scheduled my next one. So I am ready to go. But uh, but that was something (laughs) I added into my routine was about a year ago, that I need this in order to keep my mental health where it needs to be. And also it helps with the stress, like you said, so I don't start using food again to deal with stuff. Um, Because I I am an emotional eater. I like to eat my feelings. But also one of the things, I think you mentioned this, that is once I started realizing the reasons why I ate, like you said, because I'm stressed out or there's something coming up and I just don't want to deal with it, it. It's funny how I've gotten quicker at identifying when that stuff comes up. Because it used to be, I did keep a food journal where I had to write everything down. And so when I go back and look at it, I noticed that it would take me about seven to eight days to recover if I did do my binge thing. It took me that long just to get my eating back under control. And then I'd look look at, why did I do that? And it was usually something was bothering me and I just didn't take care of it. So that's one of the things I think for me having that journal helped me to show that when something comes up, you need to look at it right now. Don't just eat your way through it. Uh, and I, Absolutely. Like, yeah, and the self care thing is is great. Um, what type of physical activity do you like to do to, you know, to help you not just burn calories, but it's something that you enjoy doing too? Because I I feel like physical activity, as best as what you can do, is important for weight loss or just your health overall. So, what do you like to do? Mental
1: health for sure. My favorite thing to do is to walk, and as I said, I like to walk and pray. So I put earbuds in. Um, and attach it to my phone. And I look like I'm talking to a girlfriend on the phone, but I'm actually talking to God. (laughs) So I just, yeah, I, every morning I do, I call it a walk, pray and I walk and I pray and I just lay it out there and, and, and have that little talk with God. And it helps me so much, but the, I find walking to be very relaxing. So anytime during the day, if I can, um, I go out and take a walk and I just love getting my body moving. I love getting sunshine. Um, I really, really try as best as I can to not think in terms of calories burning. Cause it, you know, it, it's, I just find that to be a trap. And I yeah. tell my clients, you know, get out of the, get out of the diet mentality of burning calories. Cause what happens is we use that as an excuse to eat. Well, I burned this much, yeah. you know, now I can have eat this much. And then we end up going overboard. And then we just, kill the whole thing. So I'm um, mostly walking, but I do just recently, um, the man that I'm dating is a cyclist. And, um, and, and I told him when we first met online on a dating app, you know, and he's, he literally has been a cyclist, like he's done it for a living. Like he's been on a pro team and doesn't do that anymore. But he cycles every single day. He puts on his Spider-Man suit and goes goes for a bike ride. <laughs> That's what I call it. And I told him straight out of the gate when we were started to talk on the, you know, FaceTime or online. I said, "Look, don't expect that to be me." because i don't exp- i don't see myself as athletic or a jock cuz i grew up fat and i just like i was the one who was like the last one to run the mile at school i was the last one to get picked you know and so i just like i don't see myself as athletic i still have that self concept where i'm like no i'm the artsy fartsy person not the athlete you know like some of my friends growing up and so I told him, don't expect me to get, you know, get a hard body and be a jock. And, and he was cool with that. He still was happy to date me. But, um, but it's so funny because over time I got kind of envious because he'd be out in the countryside on these bike rides and he's t- he'd tell me about all the beautiful things that he saw. And I started being like, well, I want to see those things too. So I have just purchased myself a bike. And I've been on five rides with him so far and he, you know, for him, the recovery ride. So he, he goes slow and he, and he, you know, does my, he does my pace and then he goes out later and, you know, crushes it. So, um, but it's really lovely. And so, but it was interesting that I had that little resistance in my mind because of my self-concept and, you know, that some of that stuff dies hard, you know, like even just seeing my, my self-image as a thin person, I just. I I didn't see it for the longest time, even though I was in a thinner body because, you know, I had what I call fat head where I just, I saw myself as a bigger girl. So, you know, this idea that I'm not a jock and I'm not an athlete, you know, uh, was made it a little hard for me to get on that bike and, you know, suit up, but now I'm doing it because I find that the action, you know, we can act our way into right thinking, not think our way into right actions. So yeah, so I'm I'm doing it, and it's fun. And so that's my latest. To answer your question, that's my latest form of exercise, um, and it's really it's it to me you know, stretching myself, doing something I haven't done before, you know, entering a whole new chapter of my life where I where I can go places and bring my bike and and see the countryside. It's really exciting. I'm super grateful for it. So that's that's what I try to do is stretch myself to do new experiences. And and this is the next one for me.
0: Do you still um, struggle with seeing yourself as what you would call the fat uh, Tricia or because I still like I just ordered some new clothes. I actually ordered too big a size because I still struggle with that. Sometimes that I was, I put the shirt on. I was like, boy, this thing is huge. And I was, and you know, and even when one of my friends that she's lost some weight too, she said, Gwen, you still dealing with this? It's like, yeah, kind of. Cause you think, you know, for so long oh, yeah. you're a certain size and then you, you I don't know. I just kind of went back. No, there. it's,
1: it's hard to believe, isn't it? When you lose a significant amount, b- amount of weight, it's just hard to, wrap your head around it. And that's why I call, I labeled it fat head because it's like, we can, we can think, you know, it goes both ways. I mean, there's been times when I gained weight and I was in denial about it and I'd see a picture and I'd be like, Oh my God, you know? And so it, it does go both ways. But a lot of times, you know, I mean, anytime somebody who's been obese loses a significant amount of weight, I find that they have that distorted image of themselves. And it's on. Uh, to be honest, it's taken me years, and I now see myself as a thin person. But it's been decades that I've been in a thin body. Um, but it it did not come quickly at all. And I really, you know, I feel like if somebody struggles with food and weight. You know, you're never like cured of it. You know, like you're I mean, I'm an emotional eater and I have to do the things that I teach my clients to do otherwise I'll go back to emotional eating too. So it's not like I'm cured. I have to do this deal on a daily basis in order to stay free. Um, you know, and and that that fat head can come back where I'm distorted. You know, if I'm stressed out or whatever, I can start obsessing about my weight and thinking, you know, I'm fat or whatever. And, and it's like, sometimes I have to see a picture of myself to have a reality check. I'm like, Oh no, I'm not, you know? So it's pretty much gone, but not all the way, you know, it can come back for sure.
0: Yeah. So that kind of goes into the mental part of weight loss also. Uh, Yeah. Uh, you had already kind of talked about like how ninety-eight percent of the diets seem to fail. Um, how can someone improve their food choices? You know what I've noticed is most people know. Okay, if you put an apple in front of them and a cookie, and you say, "What's the healthy choice?" Well, most of them are going to say the apple. But it's which one do you want to eat? Uh, what, what what's a process that you kind of help your clients with to finally get to that point where the cookie isn't always the well, the default, or you know, they're happy with maybe the healthier alternative to what they're having. What's yeah. some of the tips that you give your clients for the uh, to help them with that? Well, I think it's
1: really important. You know, my experience is that 98% of diet, all 98% of all diets fail because people are attacking it on the symptom, symptom level, so they're treating the symptom, not the real problem. And I often say that it's really a living problem, not an eating problem. And so I really teach people to lose weight from the inside out. And they do that by starting to deal with the living issue. And I'll give you an example. Um, You know, my experience is we use food for, for different reasons, but emotional eaters have ways that they show up in the world. They have coping tools that aren't working for them and they're actually causing the cravings that they have and um it's so so important that we change the way that we live in order to eat differently because if we just lose weight you know we don't start living differently and making new choices in our lives we will go back to the food and so i identified in my research 24 personality traits that make up the emotional eater's personality and um and obviously i won't go through all 24 here but the top trait Gwen, is people pleasing.
0: I can (laughs) can relate to that one.
1: Yeah. And so let me just kind of like play this out for you and why this leads to overeating. So when, you know, when we're kids and we don't have a strong sense of ourselves, maybe we grew up with some form of abuse or addiction, alcoholism, whatever. And people pleasing worked for us, right? We got to kind of figure out what the alcoholic parent or the raging parent wanted. And we we got it for them. And, and it's like all was well, you know, momentarily. And so it's it was a coping tool when he grew up. But as adults, it doesn't work for us. Because what happens is when we're still in that mode of trying to get Um, you know, accolades and acknowledgement validation from outside of ourselves, because we don't have it for ourselves on the inside. What happens is, is we run ourselves ragged, always saying yes. So we're saying, yes, I'll take that extra project at work. Yes, I'll host the party. Yes, I'll do my kids homework, you know, even though they should be doing it themselves, because we so want to please. And we imagine we're going to get all this wonderful, you know, validation from it um but we're running ourselves ragged, we're our adrenals are shot, you know, we're tired, exhausted, but we're also kind of, you know, peeved because nobody's ever as pleased as we think they're going to be. And so, you know, you that's a deadly combination, you know, between that that the exhaustion and resentment you know, it's a perfect prescription for having, you know, going home and having what I call the I deserve it binge. It's like, nobody else is appreciating me. Darn it. I'm going to go, you know, reward myself. And so we binge, you know, because we're just, you know, we're we're burning the candle at both ends and and not satisfied. And, but that's an example of how we created our own cravings, you know, and my experience is cravings are 90% emotional, not physical. Yes, sugar is highly physically addictive. But beyond that, you know, the cravings are typically emotional because we're looking for relief in the food, we're looking for companionship for, you know, solace for comfort, we're looking for energy, you know, uh, anything in the food, um, and so it's just really important to realize that those cravings come from an emotional place. If I address my people pleasing and stop saying yes to everything and start realizing that I pay a price when I do that and stop being willing to pay that price, you know, a few girls is not worth it for the amount of pounds I put on every time I binge. So I have to pull back and say, you know what? I have limits on my time and my energy. You know, I got to focus my energy on self-care, not on, you know, making everybody happy because that's impossible anyway. But this is a great example of how I created the problem, which means I can uncreate the problem. And if we start going there, that's really where what I'm showing people how to do is, is, you know, really deal with their, their living choices that are contributing to their eating. And yeah, that's not a quick fix. But it's a lasting, it's a lasting solution.
0: Yeah, I think now people are at the point of they're tired of what these quick fixes are. Yeah, there's still some that's like, if I can't lose 10 pounds in a week, I don't want to do it. But I I think there's finally a shift to, I want to do something that's going to be long, that will last, not just short term. And a lot yeah. of it is, like you said, becoming conscious of, especially if you're a people pleaser. I know the people on the podcast can't see I'm shaking my head. Yes, I totally agree, because I grew up in a home where, you know, we had alcoholics, there were drug addicts, and my drug was food, is what I learned. But when I got out of that situation, I was still using that as my coping mechanism. So yeah. when I was about 24, 25, I realized, you know, the stuff that you're using to cope with things, you do, that's not working anymore. And it was part of it was the food that I was trying to use to cope with life. And even just realizing that I didn't have to do that, it it felt like, but what am I supposed to do? You know, so like you said, it's a lot of it's being conscious of that. What's one thing that you notice with your client, like the your client's the biggest thing that they seem to all deal with that's their number one issue? Is it that they all seem like they're stressed or everybody's just, you know, using food to deal with everything? What's What does it seem that you notice in your practice?
1: Well, yes and yes. (laughs) So, um, you know, all of the above. But, um, you know, the people pleasing is big. Also, just not speaking up for themselves, you know. And this is something, again, this is one of the seven steps is um, communication, learning to say it, not stuff it, is the way I put it. You know, emotional eaters, because we're people pleasers and we want to please and we don't want anybody to be mad at us. We don't say what's on our mind. We don't speak our truth, you know, and we stuff it instead with food. And this has to change. Like it has to change. We have to start, you know, venturing to say how we really feel about things, venturing to say no once in a while, and venturing to let other people be mad at us if they're going to be mad at us, you know. And so that's really what I coach people. I I have something called the um, 10. 10, um, secrets to self-confidence, you know, and it's really about speaking up and, and saying how you feel you, in a nice way, you know, say what you mean, mean what you say, but don't say it mean and, um, and just start to stand for yourself, you know, so much, you know, emotional eaters who are typically women, my clients are typically women. Um, you know, they've been you know, daughters, they've been mothers, they've been caretakers of their parents, you know, all through stages of life, they're caring for others. And like we talked about earlier, the self-care falls by the wayside or never even comes into the picture. And that really has to change. So women have to start standing for their needs, you know, and stating what they are and, and and you know, saying that they wanna go to a restaurant that has the right kind of food that they can eat, you know, comfortably. I mean, there's just a lot of, a lot of things in life where we need to learn to start speaking up. And when we, when we do that, oh, sorry, I apologize. Um, when we do that, um, you know, we're going to have a much better job of, you know, not having to overeat is so, so important because, you know, the, our eating comes from three, three places in my experience, Gwen, and I call this the pep test and people can take the pep, pep test when they're, you know, trying to figure out what the emotions are. So P stands for painkiller. So we use food as a painkiller when we have pain and pain comes from relationships that aren't working, a job that, you know, is stressful, you know, maybe taking care of a parent who's ailing. There's all kinds of emotional pain that we experience. And for emotional eaters, just about any uncomfortable feeling is painful, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so we use food as a painkiller cause it's like, and that's why we don't binge on salads, you know, we're binging on carbs and sugar because that's killing the pain. That's put in a big old heavy blanket over those feelings where we feel nothing at all. Um, the E in PEP stands for escape. We use food as a form of escape and that's to escape worry and fear. So that's a big part of the emotional eater's experience is we tend to awfulize. We tend to like overthink everything. You know, we have racing minds. That's one of the 24 personality traits of, of the emotional eater. So we we have a racing mind and, you know, we, we worry, we have fear. And so we try to escape that by overeating. And the last P in PEP is punishment. And we don't realize it, but we you know, we, we're very deep feelers. We are emotional eaters. We're very empathetic and we feel deeply and we feel guilt very, very easily. We blame ourselves for everything and we take other people's stuff on, you know, and then we punish ourselves with food. And even though food seems like a reward, you know, we're looking forward to getting our favorite food and sitting in front of the television. When we go overboard and we feel sick and we've got crumbs down the front, of us you know and then we go we go do some sheet therapy and we don't want to talk to anybody because we feel disgusting you know that is punishment we do that to ourselves and it really begs the question why would we do that you know in my experience it is because of guilt you know and and a feeling of unworthiness so that you know the pain the fear and the guilt are the three driving emotions that drive emotional eating and I, you have know, somebody's saying well i don't feel those things." Well stop overeating and you probably will, <laughs> you know, so, um, but you can take, you know, people can take that little test, you know, it's just sort of a quick thing. Like what's going on with me and is there some uncomfortable feeling that I'm having and what is that
0: about? And they might come across some of those feelings. No, I love the way you put it. It's actually made me think about some things and I think it's time for me to do a little more evaluation. I wanted to thank you for being on the podcast today. I think you've given us, given our listeners a lot to think about, and I love how you kept it. It's simple. It's, it's yeah. not complicated. It's just sometimes we try to make it complicated. So if anybody uh, would like to connect with you, how can they get a, you know, connect with you through website or social media, you know, get your book?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Trisha Nelson um on Instagram. I think it's Trisha Nelson Love actually on Instagram. HealYourhunger.com is my website. And I do have that free quiz. I encourage people to take that quiz, healyourhunger.com. It's a, a free quiz that'll pop up and you'll find out. You'll get your personalized score and discover whether you're an emotional eater or a food addict. Um, And then I do have a Facebook group called The Secret Sauce to End Emotional Eating. And you can find that on Facebook. And I just love to connect with anybody who's, you know, on their journey and want to really dig into the underpinnings of emotional eating for sure.
0: Okay, and I'll put all of those in the show notes so people can click on them and get to you quickly
1: thank you so much, Gwen. Well, I appreciate you and the wonderful work you're doing and your your own success with weight loss. It's really
0: inspiring. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only. I'm not a medical professional. You should consult with your doctor or medical professional before beginning any weight loss or exercise program.